It's now time for the breakfast show with your hosts Lyle and Mon. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to Faith FM eighty seven point six, eighty seven point eight, or eighty eight, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This morning, you are listening to a best of's breakfast show, the best of Lyle and Mon throughout the year with other associated guests. So sit back, relax. Enjoy the best of's breakfast show here on Faith FM. The breakfast show, bits you may have missed. Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. This is the breakfast show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon, who is busy stealing recipes out of a cookbook that we gave away on the show today. What do you mean we go to We haven't had the show yet. What are yes, you talking we about? have. Lyle. I'll stop lying to the people. This oh. is a delayed broadcast oh. introduction, as they sh- I'm sure they all well know that this show happened yesterday, maybe even the day before. And or a week uh, ago. yeah, and or we a had to go. Oh, who knows? Maybe even last year. But <laughs> it happened on the 17th of October, <laughs> whenever that was. And uh, and we had a quiz. Uh, what city am I? Quiz. And on the second clue, Helen from Lane Cove called up and snapped it up. And the prize was this amazing cookbook that and we had. So like, now Mon is busily busily photographing. <laughs> every page in before the we send it out because <laughs> it looks so good and uh, and if you're a delayed broadcast listener which you are for hearing this seriously we have seven calls for this cookbook and uh, and you should have been there you should have been there delayed listeners make that 13 13 they're still coming in this yeah our producer on the phone right now the show's already over but hey lyle what are you grateful for this morning I am. I am. I. Am, I I'm, I'm trying to remember. What was I? What was I grateful Actually, for? Actually, you were grateful for the weather. That's, no, I was grateful that you were about to tell us about the weather. That's right. Because it was distracting you from something else, and I can't remember what that was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm grateful for the fact that um that um the the slug apocalypse is almost. Oh, over. that's right. So I'm grateful for the weather <laughs> because you're going to talk about the weather and start and stop talking about the slug apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. So just so people know what the slug apocalypse. Slug. It's it's gross, man. It's gross. It's the last like no, week and a half or so. So, slug family. Since, basically, since I got back from Prague, just want to hang out. I walked to work from my grass. house because I blessedly live around the corner from the studio. Under brick. And on the footpath, on the way do. to work, there's like a slug apocalypse. Right? There's like thousands of slugs crossing over from right to left, crossing the footpath, and I have from to like navigate my way They're through west. them. They're heading west. They're heading, I don't know what's over west. I mean, what does slugs got to do over west? Anyway, there's just thousands of them. I have to navigate them th- through them because I just don't want slug goo on the bottom of my shoe. I have too much respect for my shoes. Um, and thank never mind the life of those poor slugs. Whatever, whatever. They're so poor ugly slugs. and icky and gooey and gross. And they're I'm glad nat- it's almost just, over. They're, they're just naturist snails. <laughs> well, this morning snails there was only a very, very small contingency of naturist snails left, and I'm very, very happy about it. <laughs>
So Peace Building gets 7 million hits on Google, right? Right. But it is in our dictionaries. And uh, and people are so outraged by this that they're actually creating a campaign to change this to get it into the dictionary. How funny is that? So which dictionary, though? Well, you know like how- all the dictionaries. There's not in any major dictionary, like Webster's and... I don't know whether or not you realise, but every year, um, I think... Every year they update it. Every year they update it and they, and they include some new words. And so people are outraged because words like hangry, which means when you're hungry, you're angry, um, Instagrammable, blingable, um, totes and adorbs have all made it into the dictionary of late. But peace building, uh, which is actually a word that apparently the UN uses a lot. Do we take words out of the dictionary? I don't know that we ever take them out, but I think we sort of archive them. So Because if we don't ever take them out, they're just going to the dictionary is just going to get bigger, 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 bigger. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to you know get that big. I think it's going to be like one word a year, so it's not you know not really a huge no, issue. It's a whole bunch of words you just read. But there's there. lots of archaic words that you won't find in the dictionary. Mm. So um, I don't think you'd find Egypt in the dictionary anymore, even though I use it sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so people are so Mike Jobbins is a guy uh, from Search for Common Ground. He says it's really frustrating that peace building is not in the dictionary, even though we have all the words like fight and warmongering. And, uh, you know, all the words that mean the opposite. So it actually got coined in the 1970s uh, by a Norwegian scholar, Johan Galtung, and he defines it as projects that involve concrete action towards peace. And I'm kind of all bored with this, but they've gone all out because, it, you know, obviously it's not just, you know, some sort of wishy-washy word. It's a word that we should it's be It's a really good a word. And it's a word that we do use and yeah. you do hear a lot and... I'm actually really surprised that it's not in the dictionary. Yeah, That's kind yeah especially of for this me. day and age, when I think we yeah, need to be doing yeah. a lot more peace building. So they're going all out with I don't this think, I don't know that, I don't know that um, putting it in the dictionary is going to create peace in the world. No. But it should be there. Another word to help with the whole, yeah, you know, creating peace. But they've, they've gone all out. So they've, like, created a giant dictionary that they have on display Um outside uh, Cambridge University with – it's, like, open to a page, and on the page it has the word peace building, like just, just peace building with a definition of it to sort of, you know, get people sort of more familiar with it and on board with it. But I thought it was quite interesting that you should have a campaign to get a, a word in the dictionary. But do you know what? I'm quite pleased about it because I've actually been a little bit embarrassed in the last few years. They've had all these, like, you know, banal words like Instagrammable and bling and hangry. Like, I, I, it kind of makes me a little bit – Ashamed you use and some of these words. I use them, but they, they should stay slang. In they fact, should not be in, in the fact, dictionary. In fact, well, slang is a part of the English language. You use totes all the time. Yeah, should, but it's a it's a it's a mess up of the word totally. It should not be in the dictionary. They should not stick totes in the dictionary. Peace building should be the word that gets in the dictionary, and and intelligent sounding words like that are the <laughs> words that should go in the so dictionary. So you are you are uh, confessing here on radio that you you use unintelligent sounding words. I use slang words, but okay. yeah, fine, whatever. Let us know what you think. How deep, how wide the precious love of Jesus is for you. For me, there'll always be enough No sin, no shame, no storm could ever separate us from The one who gave his life for us I may not understand the mystery that made 
Lyle. Yes. News about food. Mm. This is really cool. This is so cool. This is so cool. I'm so excited. It's a little bit of a greeny story. <laughs> Here we go again <laughs> yeah, with yeah, the greeny. Yeah, yeah. But this is something that I've often We all know you're about. a communist, Mon. Well, <laughs> communist greeny. <laughs> I'm not a communist. I'm just fascinated by communism, okay? Um, a bit like you're fascinated with World War II, but you're not Nazi, are you? 
See? <laughs> Clearly See? not. <laughs> See? Got you there, didn't I? Okay, check this out, right? I'm so excited about this. The government of Denmark, Gronem, has begun labelling food according to its effect on the climate. Oh, really? How great is that? So um, That would be so interesting because you sort of you never know what kind of food has an effect on the climate. So exactly. does, that, does that include the packaging, the this is, production? This is what it is, right. Yeah. And I often wonder this because I hate going to the supermarket, I hate going to Woolies and Coles and seeing that my lemons have come from Peru and my apples have come from China and my mandarins have come from the US. And I'm like, do you know what? I just want you some You all grow this all in my backyard. Yeah, I know. And, and it's astounding to me because I'm like, okay, so for it to get from Peru to here, like that's quite a journey. Mm-hmm. How you know What's been going on with this fruit in the meantime, since it's been picked, like what's its journey been on? So this kind of answers that in a little bit. So the government of Denmark may soon require grocery stores and packaging manufacturers to, to grade foods based on the environmental impact. So it's an ambitious, quite an ambitious initiative. But it okay, calculate- this is actually pretty cool. This is pretty cool. I know, I, you right? know what I like? I'm just, I'm just sort of thinking about this because we're like, yeah, you want, we want to encourage people to buy Australian and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would solve the problem right there. Yeah, because if it was made in Australia, the, the environmental grade of it would be much higher or much better. Yeah, because you haven't had to fly it across yeah. the uh, Pacific. Of course, that is not all. So it's gonna, it's gonna, the grade will be calculated based on the amount of transportation the product required to reach the shelves, as well as how much water was used to make the product, which pesticides were used on its exterior, the environmental impact of the packaging, so like biodegradable mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm. and the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that were created as a byproduct of that food, which means that all meat should be through the roof. Because the greenhouse gases that are created by cows and by humans is just astronomical. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about fart power, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to do a story on this one day. You know what I'm going to call the story? What's that? How cars have saved the planet. <laughs> I'm really I have a theory. Story. I have a theory. It's just a theory. I'm working on it, right? I'm uh-huh. working on this theory. Uh-huh. It's a good theory, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so it works like this. Horses reached their peak as a species around the year 1900. Yeah. Because the population was growing, there was about 2 billion people in the world, and the primary means of of transport was horses. Yeah. And then horses just vanished. As a species, they have, their their, their population numbers have just crumbled and collapsed just dramatically because there's no further use for them. Now they've reached people's pets and therapy animals. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pets, therapy animals, racing, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And. And so, you know, very few horses in the world compared to what there was back then. Mm. Our population is now, what, 9 billion or something or other? Something like that. Imagine if we were still using horses wow. instead of cars. Everyone had a horse. The environmental impact from all of those farts. That's because a really Because methane is 30 point. times yeah. more uh, yeah. impact on as a greenhouse gas than uh, CO2. That's a really good point, Lyle, because when you get home, you turn off your car and doesn't, it doesn't cause any more emissions, but you get home with your horse and your horse keeps... Yeah, you know, and, and, so, uh, and, and methane is 30 times worse than... Mm, uh, oh, I'm, I'm into this. I'm into this. See? see? I'd like gonna, you to do I'm some homework and come back on the show with a proper show. That'd be I'm great. Gonna, I'm, I'm going to go and buy a V8. <laughs> on the strength of that, definitely need a V8. Wild. Give anyway. me a call, 1-800-324-843 if you support my, my cause to buy a V8. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Anyway, so Danish agriculture, back to this, this is story. my conspiracy theory, by the way. There's no science to back that up. This is, And this is a crazy part about my story today about the, with, the, with Denmark here. So Danish Agriculture and Food Council has reportedly been working with the European Union for the last 10 years um, to try and develop this like an, an efficient labeling system. I don't know why it would take 10 years to figure out how to slap a label on a product. Like, do you want me to fix that for you guys? I can do that for you in 10 minutes. 
Like it's, it can't it can't be that hard. Well, I guess everybody's got to cal- figure out how to uh, a formula for calculating. Well, um, that and that they works. want to figure out where to put it on the packaging so people don't get scared by it, right? That's, oh, that's not yeah, hard to figure yeah. out. Just stick it on the front. Yeah. <laughs> so they said their goal is. I can is- make that decision for you right now. Um, top right-hand corner. Okay, that's solved. They said the goal is to develop an accurate label. It must include every piece of information. So products like plant-based substitutes for ground meat has information on the climate impact of the soy in the product, which was produced in South America. So now they're trying to like level the playing field because you know meat producers of animal products are kind of up in arms at the moment because plant-based products are just shooting through the roof in terms of sales. In fact, right now, if you wanted to start any kind of business in any sector, your best one, best bet for success would be something to do with um, plant-based food products anything like it's such a popular thing right now and it doesn't 20% show of Australia self-identify of as vegetarians yes indeed so this is gonna be great because you know, one of our, I found out that one of our famous vegans around here is a vegan who eats fish that's not a vegan then is he yeah but it's funny Maybe because he eats vegan fish because a pescatarian are they vegan a pescatarian? Well, there's different words for it, right? So, like a vegetarian is someone who eats, um, well, technically, someone who only eats plant products. Sure. And then you have an ovo vegetarian, someone who eats eggs and plants. And then you have ovo lacto, which is dairy, eggs, and plants. Then you have uh, vegan, which is like no honey, no leather, no silk, no wool. Like it's a bit more of a lifestyle thing. Um, and then you have pescatarians, which is like a vegetarian who eats fish. But because I'm not sure if this guy eats dairy or or or, or eggs, I'm not. I'm not really sure what to call him. What do you call a vegan who eats fish? But yeah, when you said pescatarian. I'm thinking somebody who just eats pests. <laughs> <laughs> vermin. I only eat vermin. Anyway, I guess, I guess, I guess we could call him pescatarian. But it's funny how people are like, oh yeah, I'm vegan. But sometimes I eat fish. Like, <laughs> no, that, that means you're not vegan. <laughs> anyway, so these labels, uh, they're going to encourage consumers to shop more responsibly and, of course, urge food companies to use more sustainable practices for their products. I think this is great because it's going to bring to light a lot of what I can only imagine are pretty horrible practices in terms of preparation of our food products and uh, and the and the huge impact it must be having because convenience, in my opinion, is really the thing that's put the planet under. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, you've got your, your, your cows that eat the thing that gets rid of the CO2, but then you've got the soybeans that are grown in South America and shipped That's all it. the way to Denmark, mm-hmm. which consume a lot of CO2 to get, uh, which create a lot of CO2 to get there. So it's going to create a bit of balance. This, I think this is yeah. a way of bringing but if education. It's, if it's grown right in, in Denmark, the then uh, it's not going to be such a problem. Yeah. The, this, if they have these labels, and I think every country should have this label, and I, and I, I wish I knew who to write to in Australia to get these labels happening, but it'll really be a way of bringing education right in our faces and sort of. They just have it sitting there so we can understand a bit more. Humans can do this. I mean, back in the day, yeah. we, we made legislation so you put ingredients on food. You know, we never used to do that in the past. I know, right? It's crazy now to think that something might not have ingredients on it. It's just it's mind-boggling, but we should definitely campaign to have this in Australia. I think this is a wonderful progress, um, letting us know, you know, the effect of our food on the environment. Absolutely. Him with gladness. Let all the earth bring songs of praise, telling of His greatness. Know that the Lord we praise is God. He is God our Maker, and we are His, a people called sheep within His pasture. Thanksgiving, for He is good, His love endures morning. 
to Keith and Kristen Getty with Shout for Joy here on Faith FM. And yes, we should be shouting for joy this morning, Mon. Uh, we should be. Absolutely. Uh, is there a particular reason why? Yeah, there's probably a lot of reasons why. Um, <laughs> you just make a generalised comment. I'm just making a generalised comment. How about, how about, it's, it's, it's the middle of the week. It's hump, about, hump day. It's true. How about we tell our listeners to call us up and tell us why we should be jumping Yeah, why not? Absolutely. Yeah, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. Tell us all about uh, reasons for joy. The Breakfast Show, bits you may have missed. I have a story about a, fa- a man who ate for death, not for life. Ooh, that yes. sounds... I'm a little bit morbid, but I'm intrigued. Squ- Go on. Squirrel brains. What? Yeah. You know how much right. I love squirrels, Lyle. <laughs> this is a new to story leave? of today, all right? It's a new story of today. We need to cover the news. Do I need to step outside? Is this going to no, make me cry? All right, tell a different story first. This story, we've actually got two interesting stories about churches this morning because we've got uh, Rome coming in for, uh, Pastor Rome coming in for an interview this morning. Uh, I think he's probably bringing his, um, his leading elder with him. He's going to be t- talking about a church that has revitalized itself, turned itself around, Ooh. a church that was basically dead and now is thriving. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to find out about that. But we're going to, first of all, we're going to talk about a church that is trying to do the opposite, mm-hmm. is trying to make itself obsolete. It's trying to um, get rid of itself, basically. That's so weird. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Its, its whole purpose, the purpose for its existence is for it not to exist. I feel like they could have solved the problem by not creating it in the first place. Well, they're actually solving the problem by creating this church. 
Well, that's their view anyway. They're going to solve this problem by creating this church. You have my attention. Go on. All right. So this church is called the Renewed Roman Catholic Church based in Nairobi, Kenya. Okay. Their purpose is not to exist. <laughs> but they exist. Okay. So a little bit of background on to this. This church was uh, uh, formed by Archbishop Emmanuel Malingo um, a number of years ago. <coughs> He was actually excommunicated from the Roman Catholic Church because he wanted to get married. And you can't be an archbishop and be married at the same time. And so before he was excommunicated, he ordained a bishop who was a priest who got married. And uh-huh. so now you've got paper, uh, you've got the whole papal succession mm-hmm. happening, mm-hmm. Um, you know, legitimately taking place. And that gave them the foundation then to form a new Roman Catholic Church where there is legitimate papal succession. Um and uh, and and you know le- legitimate papal succession where you know the, the the whole process can continue on from there and so they formed this new church and it's actually become quite popular. Um, it's uh, particularly in in Kenya, it is growing very very rapidly because a lot of people are seeing the benefit of having priests who are married and and yeah. priests that they can go and talk to about you know marriage relationships and family problems and all of these kind of things that they weren't able to do before because priests really had no idea. Um, they're seeing a dramatic drop in um, accusations of child abuse. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, a drop in the number of priests who have secret families and end up getting booted out of the church. That's great. I'm all for this. Yeah. yeah. And so, of course, they're calling on Pope Francis to change the policy mm-hmm. so that they can no longer exist. Oh. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So their whole purpose is not to exist. Mm-hmm. But they do exist. So yeah, it's an interesting. They've um, just since 2017, they have ordained 20 married priests. Good on them. And uh, a lot of what this is, of course, is priests who are coming out as having families. Yeah. And wanting to make that right with God. Yeah. And so doesn't um, that just sound horrible? <coughs> they have families that want to make it right with God, and God's like, "Yeah, I made that right a long time ago." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> At creation, <laughs> okay, but they've got you know they they they've, they've got uh, you know they they want to they want to have marriage they want to have mm. a wedding service yeah um and um and and so you know they're highlighting that you know the big the two big problems that they're facing in Africa is that the majority of priests have either secret families or they're abusing young young boys mm-hmm. and of course the the reason that they abuse young boys is because um, by abusing boys they don't feel that they're actually breaking their celibacy vow because it's a boy. It's, mm-hmm. They're male. It's not a woman. And so this is a major problem. This is a, this is a global problem for the Catholic Church. We've talked about it many times before, and uh, they're really struggling to deal with it. But the renewed Roman Catholic Church has found a solution, and it's a very simple one, and that is by following the biblical model. And this is one of the things that um, Archbishop Emmanuel Malingo is, is avidly pointing out, that celibacy is not biblical. And because it is not biblical and because marriage is blessed and the disciples were all married, uh, the early church leaders were all married, except for Paul, that, uh, you know, this is something that, um, you know, we shouldn't be doing in today's day and age. It's a medieval tradition, a practice that has never been successful. And as he also points out, has never been a reality. What they are actually doing is they are endeavoring to acknowledge reality. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, as he says, priests are not celibate. That's right. Um, you know, there might be one or two here and there, but uh, they're not celibate. And so let's acknowledge the reality and move on and create a world in which, you know, and, and I look at this and I'm like thinking, you know what? 
here's Africa overtaking Australia. That's it's so true. I was just thinking So that. far ahead yeah. of us here in Australia. Yeah. They're steps ahead now. And uh, we, 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 need to have this, we need to have this church here. I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I think so too. I think we all need a campaign to get our Catholic church system to change into this system. It'd be great. Yeah. I wonder how many unwed mothers there are out there who, whose children are the result of a secret relationship with a priest. I never really thought about that before. It would be an interesting thing to uh, to research, but those who like have that. done the research have said that it's actually very, very large. Yeah, it's surprising. Um, and uh, but anyway, um, so basically, what he's doing is his his church is growing in leaps and bounds. It's becoming a very large and powerful church, and he's urging Pope Francis to step in and put a stop to his church growth. <laughs> um, now, Pope Francis, to his credit, has floated the idea. Of allowing married priests in remote communities. What, what Which, difference would that make? Why remote? Why you know? Why not well, everywhere? Then it all comes down to the definition of remote, doesn't it? I mean, uh-huh. where, Perth is the most remote city yeah. in the world, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, once you open that door, you've opened that door. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all right. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's something that's happening right now. Um, uh, of course, the uh, the local Roman Catholic Archbishop. Um, Philip Agnolo, um, who's the Yolo. yep, Sorry, who's the <laughs> Agnolo, um, is uh, denying that there are any priests who are considering leaving the Catholic Church. I guess you've got to toe the party line there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one of the priests who was interviewed and um, wasn't giving his name at this particular time, who, because he was considering leaving, um, his 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 biggest thing was that he would be glad that his children would know their father. Amen. Yeah, so that's a super positive thing. Now, I did promise a story about squirrel brains. Yeah, this had better be good, Lyle. Yeah, so this guy's in uh, the United States, obviously an avid hunter and one of these guys who likes to um, you know, to live off the land, so to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, died as a result of eating squirrel brains. He caught uh, mad cow disease, otherwise wow. known as... Uh, Kruzfeldt Jacob disease. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different variations for it, and this, of course, was mad squirrel disease. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, shouldn't shouldn't, shouldn't probably make a, a joke about that, but uh, yeah, you kind of see a story like that, and it makes you think. You know what? Um, plant-based diet is not such yes. a bad thing. Yeah. I have mad cow disease. So many of these diseases that wander around the world and freak people out. I have never ever been freaked out over. Yeah, I know, right? This is like no, no. I'm not scared of any sort of you know animal disease whatsoever. Yeah, and and it's interesting because animal disease is dramatically increasing mm-hmm. uh, as a result of that. Um, medications is dramatically increasing, mm-hmm. and this is. One of the other challenges you have with eating um, animal-based products is that you're not just eating the animal and potentially the disease that the animal has, but you are eating the medications that the animal took to stay alive. That's true. You know, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of animals where they pump them full of medications just to keep them alive long yeah. enough so that they can get enough weight on to kill them, like you know, chickens and these mm-hmm, kind of things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and these days a chicken grows at what is it, a third the time that it used to or something That's like right, that. That's right, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, pump full of uh, hormones. And, yeah, you're eating all that. I'm not. I'm going to have some wheat bigs. My tummy's kind of churning at the idea of squirrel brains at the moment, though. I wonder if it tasted a bit nutty. <laughs> oh, Mon, that's just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Take a... I cross 
and follow me. I heard my master say, I gave my life to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. in our system right there. I think Hopefully. it's because we're trying to mess around with the... Uh, with the <laughs> with all the <laughs> we've got phones. a couple of extra people here in the studio, so we're yes, super excited to have uh, Rome and Kaya joining us today. 
Uh, they've come down from Armadale, and Rome is the pastor of the church up there. Kaya, uh, what, leading elder? Leading elder, fantastic. Okay, we need to switch that microphone on. There we go. Uh, Rome. Now, I've talked to you before um, on Faith FM. You've shared a little bit of your story once before, but I just want to want you to remind our listeners um, a little bit about yourself, where you come from, that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, you're a pastor now, but you're not just a pastor. You're also an athlete. Can you tell us a little bit about that just as uh, help us to get to know sure, you better? Sure, sure. How you doing, Lyle? Yeah, great, Rome. <laughs> uh, my name is Rome, and I'm originally from Auckland, New Zealand, and uh, moved over with my family in 2006, went to college, and uh, graduated, went over to Armadale to pastor there, and yes, I'm an athlete. In 2011, I was two-time uh, powerlifting champion in the 120 kg uh, class, and um, yeah, so just uh, enjoying life out of Armadale, doing, doing ministry there, so it's, it's, it's been great. Fantastic. You still doing any uh, weights? Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things that I always uh, have with me. It's just therapeutic, that's all. <laughs> that's <laughs> Do you have like a church weightlifting club kind of thing uh, like for your members? We, we What we do is we use it for like a ministry outreach. Oh, cool. So we've got like all the like high school kids in the area oh, just come awesome. on over. And uh, we have training sessions for Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh, we've got some uni students that, that, that sign up and want to just uh, train. And, uh, you know, I'll be, I've been training them for the last two years over at Armadale, and it's been great. That's awesome. So I, I think that every church should have a gym attached to it. Yeah, I agree so, with so, you. Yeah. So, that you, so you don't have to pay gym membership, right? <laughs> well, I'm not saying there won't be gym membership fees, but it'd be great to have a membership, like a gym that also has, like, you know, a conference room where you can have, like, health talks and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Every yeah. church yeah. should come with that yeah. and a garden. Absolutely. Just FYI. I like the idea. I think it's great. I totally support it. Totally support 100%. it. 100%. Yeah. Now, uh, Kaya, yeah. um, just grab the microphone there. Um, right. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Kaya. What's your background? Where does your family come from? Uh, my name is Kaya, and I'm from South Africa. And uh, I came at Amadale uh, in 2017, May, uh, to embark on my studies. I'm doing my master's in agriculture economics and uh I'm about to finish my studies. Uh, no. Basically, I'm up there uh, uh, doing my studies, but uh, most of the time I'm working with Loma. <laughs> yes. yeah. So we've got, we've got the dream team here, right? So Rome can do the gym and you can do the garden at the church. <laughs> this would be amazing, teaching people how to grow in their own produce. Like It'd be great. They just, they, they just need, need you up there in Mon now to do all of the health lectures and yeah, presentations. Yeah. And, and, uh, and crack the whip. I'll, I'll be the German person who gets it organised. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to you, Rome, real quick. Um, tell us about Armadale Church because this is a interesting. We were just telling a story before you got here. I don't know whether you were listening on the way over, but we were telling a story about a church that is trying to cease to exist <laughs> but your church was trying to survive yes. tell us about armadale church because this was a church that um it has some great history but yes. yeah t- tell us about a little bit of background there i, I came over to armadale in 2016 halfway through the year and uh you know there's been some some struggles there uh, some battles there that uh, were in existence long before uh, i got there and so i wasn't quite sure what the what the issues were, but the the church was on uh, was on a decline, and so the John Lang, the former president here at um, North New South Wales Conference, he was my mentor. Uh, we got together and we started talking about strategies, the ways in which the, uh, which we can reach the community mm-hmm. and um, the university there, the University of New England. Mm-hmm. They make up like twenty five percent of the population there. 
They wow, were just, that's, yeah. that's a lot of Armadale. Yes, and so that, it, it was, there was no way in the world we were going to minister in that area without reaching the university. Mm. And so that's where, where it all began. We decided that we were going to uh, try and reach uh, the university. Okay, before we get to that story, yep. um, in its heyday, how, yes. how, how, what was Armadale like? Well, what I heard the was there. the church there was a, a church of about 200 to 250 members. That's a decent-sized church. That is yes, big. very decent. Mm-hmm. And uh, at its lowest point? Uh, you know what? I think we were at the lowest point when we got there of about uh, you know regular attendance of about 20 people. Wow. Oh, wow. Nothing yeah. like getting in touch with a deep end, eh, Rome? Oh, wow. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is like, um, was this your first appointment after graduating? Uh, second. Second second, second appointment after yes, graduating? Second, <laughs> second appointment. <laughs> Very intimidating, yeah. Oh, my goodness. You must have felt like you are going to war or something, like, you know, uh, helmet on, here's your gun, off you go. <laughs> right. You know, I was just blessed to have someone like John Lang, who yeah. was there, yeah. uh, understood ministry inside out. So I leaned on him uh, a lot. Mm. And so... In our attempts to try and uh, grow the church, we turned to our conference and said, listen, um, we've uh, started a church plant with the, the uni church, mm-hmm. and they're growing. We're discipling. We're, we're trying to uh, reach as many people as possible through this uh, church plant. The problem was it was at the expense of um, Armadale Church. Right. And so while one church was on the rise, the, the main church was – had just plateaued mm-hmm. in terms of um, you know um, growing in numbers, and so um, we decided we needed some some help in the revitalization program that had just begun in the in the conference. Uh, reached uh, reached out to us, uh, or we reached out to them first, and mm-hmm. they uh, spoke to us as of last year. And so Nick Cote came out with, a, with his team, and we we discussed a few strategies. And I tell you, it wasn't easy. Mm. It, it was not easy. So this is new strategies with the old church, not the new one. With the old church, yeah. yes. And it, it, it would A lot affect- of people would just give up, you know. They'd be like, oh, you can't light a fire with it's just ash. Yeah. A- for sure. Just just run with the new one and be done with the old one. Yeah, well, there were, there were times where I thought that the new church was actually going to be the new church in mm-hmm. the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, 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 the new church was kind of, well, it, it came together near the end. Uh, we were coming up with strategies, ways in which we could grow the church, and we realized that um, what we really needed to do was take some time to get to know uh, the people, not just you know from church level, but personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We need to get to know them personally, what what they what they're going through, and we realized that so many people in our church were just coming to church, doing what they needed to do, get back into normal day life, and. Um, there was a lot of lot of stress, and there was also people just doing things because they're rusted on to do it. Mm-hmm. And what we wanted to do was get people to fall in love with those roles again, fall in love with ministering to, uh, again, um, discovering what their gifts were. Uh, revitalization pretty much gave us an excuse to kind of uh, explore that, and um, we were able to pull back uh, leadership so that we can restructure the church from the ground up. And so we had so many leaders who've been in these positions for so long, uh, finally had the opportunity to kind of step back and then uh, reevaluate their spirituality, asking themselves, where do I fit in? Um, 
I've been doing this ministry for for this many years. Has is is it me? Mm. And they're using this time during the revitalization period to really discover who they were. According to First Corinthians chapter twelve, we all have gifts, mm-hmm. and so um, that that put a lot of pressure on me though because it meant that I had to like drive everything in the church. But the great thing is is the fact that we know that it, it's it's God that's going to do the work. There are things that we've been trained to do. There are things that we've um, that that God has um, uh, gifted us with, and so I used every gift that God has given me to to, to kind of drive from the front um, everything to kind of model uh, what the church should be, and um, and to kind of decide, you know, to disciple. That's where Kaya comes in, and we, you know, we're discipling, training, and um, doing just the basics, which is visitations. Preaching, Bible studies, mm. and eventually things <clears throat> started to move. If I could just uh, uh, sure. s- flip across to Kaya real quick. Um, Kaya, how, how long have you been, obviously here as a student, how long have you been a part of the Armadale Church? Well, this is my second year that I've been uh, part of the Armadale Church now. Okay, so a similar time to uh, to what uh, Rome has been yeah, there. Yeah. And uh, have you seen some uh, changes over that period of time? Oh, yes. Yes, I've seen a couple of changes, of course, uh, for good. Uh-huh. Yeah. What, what, did, uh, you, what was it like when you first walked into this church? I mean, you've, you've moved from uh, from one country to another. There's a culture change. There's a uh, yeah. Just 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 give us a, a sense of what that was like. Well, there was a very 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 huge difference, and uh, in terms of how people worship, that's the first thing. And uh, but I think uh, most of all, it was uh, quite cold and too formal, mm-hmm. and uh, where you. You, you feel sometimes whether you're not sure whether you are welcome or what, you know, <laughs> those kind of things. Yeah. That's a shame. Oh, yeah. Shame on yeah. us. But, shame on us. But yeah, but 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 that that, that that's how it was at yeah. that time. But uh, uh, compared to what it was, it has really changed. Uh, I mean, uh, the church is quite warm now. You know, uh, there are no barriers. You know, people are doing things out of love. You know. Not out of uh, saying that because the program is like this or this is the structure that we follow, you know. There's some kind of fellowship that is like budding amongst the church members, which is quite yeah, good yeah. For, for most people, especially students, especially if you are an international student. That's fantastic. And yeah. uh, as an international student, once you graduate, will you be doing further study? Will you be staying in the area, heading back to Africa? What's your plans? Okay. Uh, after my graduation... Uh, uh, the plan is to do uh, is to further my studies again here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm not. So you sh- might be at Armadale for a little bit longer yet, then, or uh, not not in Armadale, but okay. uh, but here in Australia. Uh-huh. But that I don't so want to disclose the, it here. <laughs> <laughs> so the next church that you go to, then, are you going to take the lessons learned from this church? Oh, of of course. It's not only the lesson learned. I mean, for for me to the next church, I, I think it's something that will go all the way, helping me. Uh, I mean, uh, as I continue to serve the church and uh, mm-hmm. and helping others in advancing the gospel. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Back to Rome, real quick. Uh, um, you've gone down this path. Helping people to yep. uh, understanding what people, who people are, helping to find what their what their calling is, that kind of thing. I just want to ask about yeah. that. When you said that, you know, that the leadership took a step back to try yep. and figure themselves out. Did the leadership come back, or was it like new people? Like, did you essentially drain the swamp and sort of like have a bit of a refresh there? Like, 
How did that all happen? Did they, did they that discover that? That might be a bit harsh for all the people that are listening. <laughs> all the people from one <laughs> that are that listening. Bit, that was a bit cheeky, but like you know, <laughs> no, did I, some people say, I, "Do you know what? I think I just need to sit this one out." Or did you know? Did new fresh leadership come in, or did they actually? To, no, no. no what what actually happened gifts? was there was a lot of uh, connecting. There was a lot of communication. There was a lot of visiting. There was a lot of one-on-ones, and it, it it wasn't a decision that was just made. And then people had to kind of step back. It was a decision that we kind of helped them see for themselves. Mm-hmm. So that that we we were able to meet them on a one on one, talk to them about their ministry, um, made made a few suggestions. How could we help you in this? And in the end, the best decision was we had to restructure the church, and that meant we need to we, we needed to rediscover who we were in the ministry, to discover our gifts. And so, uh, if we still believe that the church is Christ's to build from Matthew sixteen, then we have no. No issues with just stepping back and allowing Christ to, to to lead us in this in this process. The process was the most difficult thing. I know how much the church members love their church. It's part of the reason why they don't want to pull back in case the church falls flat. And uh, we we you know what it was it was we were so thankful that they they trusted leadership. They trusted Nick. They trusted myself. They trusted John. They trusted Tom, and and and, and we, we were able to go through this process. And everybody kind of took one step back. And prayer was the first thing we did. Mm. Prayer was the first thing we did. It was like it was a scary moment, a scary moment for me. And um, we prayed as a church and said, "This is what we want to do. We want to restructure the church so it's friendly, so it's open, so that people could discover their gifts." And so, right now, as we speak, we are in the process of discovering our gifts, and we've had guys, you know, young people step up and say, "Hey, listen, I want to take worship." We've had other people say, "Hey, I want to give it a go. I want to give lesson a go." And so, we're, we're we're at that stage where we're just developing people in their gifts, in their strengths, discovering who they are, and. It's it's an exciting time for for for, for Armadale. And uh, you said you got down to about uh, eighteen or twenty people there at one stage. Um, what's the result of this process been? Well, let me tell you. In the mornings, we used to have about four to five people scattered within the church. Today, in the mornings, right 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 from the beginning, from when Mission Story starts, we have at least twenty to thirty people coming in in a huge circle. When everybody, you know, on our good days, people, you know, when the uni is on, people people are coming in, people are you know interacting, people are contributing to our discussions. Uh, lessons are just you know everybody's always looking forward to that part of the the, the service. And real quick, uh, sure. how many for the main service? For the main service, we've got we, we we've hit like close to sixty to seventy people. Praise God, that's fantastic. This is a church that is turning itself around in Rome. We wish we had more time to uh, yes to talk to you about. Um, about more aspects of what's happening up there, but unfortunately we are out of time. So, All good. Um, Roman, Kia, thank you. So, Kaya, sorry. Yes. <laughs> you just called him you. a car. <laughs> He's got Thanks, cars to break all the time. He's like, cars, cars, cars. <laughs> Thanks for having us in here. Uh, yeah, great to have you on the show, guys. Thank you. And, um, thank all you. the best with uh, what takes place up there at Armadale, and may God bless you guys. God bless you, you brother. And God Thanks bless so the church in Armadale. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But now there's a new approach to help us be more forgiving, a program called Forgive to Live. It's designed to help us all improve our lives. You'll discover the healing power of forgiveness, a relationship breakdown, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. Through Forgive to Live, you can break this cycle and start living a more forgiving life. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. 
You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Are you looking for a way to turn your life experience into an enriching gift for helping those around you? A counselling degree at Avondale College of Higher Education could provide you a great foundation to assist others through life's difficulties. Study in a personalised environment alongside a fantastic support network and community on our Lake Macquarie campus. Apply to study counselling today at counselling.avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. Save me, oh my God For the waters have come up to my neck I sink in the depths Where there is no The floods engulf me now My throat is parched and I am worn out From calling out for help My eyes For zeal for your house 
it consumes me And the insults to you